protesters turn out in what may be the last major anti-pipeline rally before the federal government makes the call. And we go on a thrill ride with two people in their 90s who prove age is only a number. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. A major search is still underway in the waters off of Soyuz Lake following a collision between two boats this weekend. Both vessels sank. Three people were rescued, but as Jules Knox reports, two others are still missing. The boat hitting the other boat and going in the air was just, it was just so horrific. Two boats crashed on a Soyuz Lake Saturday evening. It was just like a boom. Carmen Martin says she watched as a red boat sped across the lake, appearing out of nowhere and T-boning another vessel. And then went flying up and then went down and then both boats disappeared. Then she says one of the boats bobbed up again. The steel part of the boat was like up like this, a little bit out of the water and we screamed, um, call 911, call 911. Three people inside were clinging to their boat in the water. Neighbor Rick Prop jumped in his boat and sped to the scene. They were holding on to the bow of the boat, right? And there must have been air in there to hold it because they were holding on till we got out there to get them. Shortly after the trio was rescued, their boat sank to the bottom of the lake, an estimated 30 metres deep. As for the second boat, witnesses say it never resurfaced. Police believe two people were inside. There are people missing and uh, two boats were involved, both have sunk. And we're going to conduct a search in the lake and uh, attempt to uh, recover the bodies and uh, investigate this uh, boat accident. The three men who were rescued were rushed to hospital. If it would have been much longer, they couldn't have hold on because especially these kids couldn't use their legs, two of them anyway. And the one boy was quite dazed. Neighbor Sasha Pavlovic says he helped sift through the crash debris. The problem is, is the waves, right? You couldn't really tell. You see something bobbing in the water and then it's gone because the wind just kicked up really bad right about then. It's like uh, the Titanic, you know, pieces everywhere. The RCMP dive team spent Sunday searching the lake for the two missing people. As for the survivors, BC Emergency Health Services says one person is stable and the other two are in critical condition. Jules Knox, Global News, Osuyus. BC Ferries crews helped rescue a man whose canoe capsized near Main Island last night. The Queen of Cumberland and the Spirit of BC launched their rescue boats just before 8 o'clock after learning a man was in distress on a rock just off Helen Point near the entrance to Active Pass. His canoe was partially submerged. The man from Main Island managed to swim to shore. The crew of the Cumberland's rescue boat took him to the Village Bay Terminal where BC Ferries' vehicle was waiting. He was cold but otherwise okay. The countdown is on to the federal government making its final decision on twinning the Trans Mountain Pipeline. With the June 18th deadline looming, environmentalists and activists rallied in Vancouver today and our Paul Johnson was there. Meet Will George. You may not recognize his face, but you might recall this massive red banner. It's what George and a handful of others unfurled under the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge in one of the more gripping demonstrations against the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. What little we have to protect is being directly threatened by this pipeline. So it's, it's most important for me to, to do direct action like that. Sunday's gathering was meant to put the Liberal government on notice. 
that if they proceed with their expansion of the pipeline, they will be opposed through civil disobedience, the courts, and soon the ballot box. Federal government has gone as far as we have to safeguard our precious air, land, and water. It's that kind of talk that makes demonstrators say they feel double-crossed by the federal liberals. In 2015, the liberals were saying, you know, we're going to be the great defenders of the climate. NDP candidate Sven Robinson is trying to win his old riding back this fall. And the pipeline is emerging as the central issue in his return to politics. What did they do? They bought the pipeline, four and a half billion dollars, they ignored indigenous peoples, and they still use Harper's targets for the climate crisis. So uh, it's uh, been a complete betrayal. But on the other side of the Rockies, a decision to approve the pipeline would be met with celebration. In Alberta, the extinction fear there is about jobs and profits. Very different from the West Coast, where demonstrators like George think carbon is an existential threat to humanity. Don't be surprised if you see that red banner again. There's another bridge. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to stop this, for sure. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. For a second day in a row, shots were fired at a home in Abbotsford. A police cruiser now sits outside the rural property in the 2700 block of Interprovincial Road. Yesterday, someone opened fire on the residence and an unoccupied vehicle. No one was heard and still no word on a motive. Abbotsford police say there was gunfire at the same home late Friday night. Following that incident, police stopped three vehicles and arrested seven people. One firearm and suspected drugs were seized. Near Williams Lake, RCMP are investigating the homicide of a 33-year-old woman on the Tusi Reserve. Just after 6 o'clock last night, police and paramedics were called when a woman was found with fatal injuries. A local man was arrested and remains in custody. No charges have yet been filed. An abandoned home in Vancouver has been gutted by fire early this morning. Firefighters were called to the boarded-up house on 12th Avenue and Manitoba Street just before 2.30 this morning. It was fully engulfed by flames when crews arrived. The boarded-up windows and doors made it difficult for firefighters to access, but they were able to eventually put it out. The cause of the fire is under investigation. An expensive reminder not to toss cigarette butts while driving. Victoria's police chief caught a driver throwing a lit butt out of his window on Highway 17 in Saanich last night. The top cop calling the offending motorist out on a tweet saying 575 reasons not to throw your lit cigarette out of the car window in front of a Vic PD. Chief Del Manick says the driver told him he didn't want to burn his car. The chief replied, don't smoke in your car. The butt-tossing scofflaw was slapped with a $575 ticket under the Wildfire Act for dropping a burning substance. Dozens of animal activists gathered in Vancouver today calling for the closure of all slaughterhouses. They gathered at the Vancouver Art Gallery before marching through the downtown core this morning. The demonstrators say the campaign began in 2012 in France and thousands have marched around the world in support of a vegan lifestyle. 
Animals are terribly mistreated in all kinds of farming, and even when we try to find farms that uh, treat them better, it turns out that there's many cases where they're not. And so we recognize that one of the best things we can do to help animals uh, and avoid all this harm is to just not eat meat or dairy or eggs. It's a rite of passage. This month, thousands of BC high school students have earned the right to walk across the stage to accept their graduation diplomas. But for one Penticton teen, that right was nearly denied. You see, she was told she couldn't bring her medical service dog on stage with her. Kimberly Davidson explains. Good play. When Hannah McIntyre and her dog Coco are at home, Coco is a regular family pet. They play and learn tricks. Coco gets the occasional treat. But as soon as Coco's medical service vest goes on, Coco knows it's time to go to work. I have Coco for a few different reasons, but the main reason is for my autism and my anxiety. Three years ago, Hannah found she couldn't handle public school. She began learning from home. When her mother asked what would allow her to go back to class, Hannah immediately thought of Coco. I kind of just said, oh, well, if I could bring Coco, she eases my stress. And then we started thinking about, oh, well, we could train her as a service dog. So Hannah went back to school with Coco by her side, and together they completed grade 12. Then on the day of her graduation rehearsal, Hannah says a vice principal pulled her aside. She told me pretty much they didn't know that I was bringing Coco today and that I'm not allowed to bring her tonight. And they said, well, you didn't tell us, you didn't let us know that you'd be bringing her. And I said I shouldn't have to because she comes with me every day to school and she comes with me everywhere. Her mother called the school board. She says that's when the principal pulled her aside and said Coco could graduate too. I wouldn't be graduating if I didn't have Coco. When asked for comment, the superintendent of the school district gave a written response. It says the district does not comment on situations involving individual students for privacy reasons. But it goes on to say, when there is a miscommunication between a teacher and a student or parent, the parent is asked to contact the school principal directly to address the concern. In this situation, the parent chose to contact the director of student support services and not the principal. Given the importance and immediacy of the situation, the director contacted the principal who resolved the issue as soon as he was aware of the situation. The thing with invisible disabilities is people can't just, they obviously can't see it. Um, so they just think that everything's okay, but yeah, definitely I feel like if I had something that was a bit more visible or if I was visually impaired, there wouldn't be such a pushback. Despite the stress the situation put on Hannah on one of the most important days of her life, she says she's glad the issue was resolved and that she did have a good time at her graduation. Kimberly Davidson, Global News, Penticton. Losing a major sports team is a big deal for any community. That's the situation Cranbrook has been in ever since the WHL announced the Kootenai Ice would be moving to Winnipeg for the upcoming season. Now, as Kristen Robinson reports, the East Kootenai community is hoping another team might be willing to do the same for them. Nestled in the Kootenai Rockies, Cranbrook is a hockey city. I love going and like watching hockey with my friends. We're a hockey town. On the backhand coming in, tries to put it in front. Now a follow-up try. He scores. But the local arena, now empty. It's home team. Scores. The WHL's Kootenai Ice relocating to Winnipeg for the 2019-2020 season. The hockey team that we had here, the Kootenai Ice, was a real foundation for the community. I know a lot of people really enjoyed it and it brought the community together. There's such a strong legacy of hockey here that I, I think we, we would be 
being without it, it just isn't right. The ice struggled with declining attendance. The league saying in January the junior hockey team just wasn't viable in its market. The community of just under 20,000 now looking for another amateur team to take over Western Financial Place. We've got a beautiful facility here that we have to maintain, so we need, we need a hockey team in there for sure. In a tender that closed June 5th, the city seeking a hockey team to relocate or establish in Cranbrook, questioning interested parties about their market research that would make the team viable and how they would recruit players to the community. Well, I think it certainly instills a lot of pride, and that's an important thing. Among the challenges to fill these seats, the league must approve any franchise move, and the mayor says the BC and Alberta Hockey Leagues don't allow their teams to play in other provinces. Still, there was significant interest. Depending on what the results of the questionnaire were, we, we'll have an announcement in the next uh, short period, maybe a couple weeks. We'll be Hockey Central. Hopefully, we'll be Hockey Central again. Yeah, it'd be cool. See it again. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, you don't need to be an NBA fan to know what's happening these days. The Toronto Raptors could win their first championship in front of a home crowd tomorrow night. Fans from coast to coast to coast are primed for the showdown. But as Matt Bingley reports, the team says they're treating it just as another game. One win to go! With more than 24 hours to go before tip-off, the lineup outside Jurassic Park continues to grow, including Velda Foster and her son Matthew, who only just returned from supporting the Raptors in Oakland. We decided to go home, drop the bags, got a few hours sleep, and we're back. Inside the Scotiabank Arena, the team is a little banged up, but ready to roll, including Fred Van Vliet, who is now sporting a mouth guard and a repaired tooth after taking an elbow in the face during Game 4. It was an unfortunate play, but, uh, you know, it happens. It's basketball. You know, if you haven't got your eye cut up or got hit in the mouth a couple of times playing basketball, then you might be playing it the wrong way. While the city may be as excited as it has ever been about basketball here on the court, the Raptors are treating this like any other game. Because you don't put in this much effort, only to lose focus before what could be the biggest game in the team's history. We've just been like this all year. Like, kind of just like, we haven't done anything. Like, you don't do anything in this league unless you win the, girl, the trophy. Still, with so many ravenous fans, the extra support means a lot on the court. Everyone has bumps and bruises and, and, uh, and has some active issue uh, physically. So that uh, encouragement and that passion uh, makes you feel a little better. But the big question remains if the Warriors can stop the Raptors' momentum, especially with their all-star Kevin Durant absent during the finals. He's going to practice with us today, and uh, he'll get some um, extra work in with some of our younger players, and, um, and we'll gauge it from there. Durant may have been on the court Sunday, but he didn't appear in front of the media, leading fans and players alike to wonder what's in store for Monday night. Matthew Bingley, Global News, Toronto. <sighs> yeah, just another game. Sure. Yeah, they, they tell us that uh, on the inside, although I've never played an NBA Finals game. Never played one myself. Got to think it, uh, it's a little bit more, but that's why, they, that's why they perform so well is because they kind of trick themselves into They're cool. thinking that. They're exactly. cool. I'm thinking the, the person who's cool tonight is Yvonne. She is in the coolest place in uh, town right now mm -hmm. at Italian Days on Commercial Drive. Yvonne. 
Hi guys, yes, it's fantastic down here. The crowd's out. We've got, uh, they're expecting to see over 300,000 people and I would say it's safe to say uh, the crowds have been going all day long and this is the perfect opportunity to celebrate Italian Day on the drive with lots of food options. So I'm just starting off with a sampler so far. I definitely need to get to the main course as well as some gelato. Um, we've got some prosciutto, we've got Parmesan, we've got melon, uh, lots to eat, but this is just a sample of what we're going to start with now. And then coming up with my main forecast, we're going to talk to one of the executive directors who's going to give us a scoop. And there's still an opportunity if you wanted to come on down, perhaps have some dinner. Uh, things will wrap up here on the drive at around 8 o'clock, but it's fantastic. Give yourself a little extra time. The best way to get down here is by transit. It is busy, a lot of the roadways are closed, uh, but it is fantastic. So a great group of people here, and the temperatures are gonna warm up in our long range. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. Guys? Sounds good, sounds delicious. Thanks so much, Yvonne. She's brave uh, eating Italian food with a white uh, clothing, because there's a lot of sauce. No kidding. And it's gonna no splash, kidding. but Yvonne's a lady, and nope, she's she dainty, is. and she won't spill anything. What's on your menu tonight? Uh, well, oh, very good. We've got, uh, well, we're actually going to talk a bit about the uh, NBA Finals coming up, of course, because uh, Game 5 is tomorrow, and uh, we'll hear more about the Raptors as they try to remain cool for uh, things going on, and, of course, Stanley Cup Finals as well. Oh, right. They could hand, that other game. They could hand that out tonight <laughs> in uh, St. Louis and Canadian Open Golf. Rory McIlroy kind of stole the show for the Canadians, but uh, he's pretty popular there, He's too. good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Police in Hong Kong struggled to disperse protesters early Monday morning, hours after hundreds of thousands of demonstrators rallied against legislation that would allow people to be extradited to mainland China to face charges. This massive protest is taking place three days before the Hong Kong government plans to bring the bill to the legislature for possible approval before the end of the month. A small group managed to break through the barriers at the legislature building, briefly pushing their way into the lobby. Police and riot gear used batons and pepper spray to move them out. Democracy for Hong Kong! Democracy for Hong Kong! A much smaller but equally passionate crowd gathered outside the Chinese consulate in Vancouver this morning. Protesters carried umbrellas, a reference to the umbrella movement of 2014 when there was a series of sit-ins in sit-in protests. According to census data from Statistics Canada, there are an estimated 72,000 people in Vancouver who are from Hong Kong. Critics of the legislation say China's legal system is different than Hong Kong's and would not guarantee the same rights to defendants. We are very happy to see a lot of young people came out yesterday on the streets of Hong Kong. Much more than the, the last few years after the umbrella movement. A lot of talks about younger people losing their hopes and losing their direction for future. And I think uh, this time there was an opportunity for the younger people as well as the cross generation to say that enough is enough. And we, are, we want to cherish our home and our future should be in our hands. Once it's passed, it's affecting not just Hong Kong people, the millions of people from Hong Kong, from Canada, around the world. And uh, we, are in, we are here to solid, in, in solidarity with the Hong Kong people. A powerful windstorm moved through Dallas this afternoon, toppling a giant crane. The crane sliced through a parking garage in a five-story apartment building, killing at least one person and injuring six others. At the time of the accident, the wind was gusting at more than 110 kilometers an hour. 
In California tonight, some residents are being evacuated north of Sacramento as a wildfire rages closer to their homes. At nearly 700 hectares in size, firefighters are struggling to contain it. Tonight, 500 firefighters battling with this sand fire in Northern California, burning across nearly 2,000 acres. It spread quickly through steep brush-covered hills. These erratic winds push the flame in a variety of directions, which makes it very difficult for us to figure out which direction that fire is going. But overnight, firefighters made progress. The blaze only growing by 100 acres. I guess it's our turn. Hopefully they'll put it out. They didn't have time to evacuate us. It was already coming through the property. Winds gusting with temperatures hot and dry. Millions under red flag warnings and mandatory evacuations are now in place. It gets a little nerve-wracking, but at the same time, we know those firefighters are working, and without them, I don't know what we'd do. In the town's hardest hit by the 2018 campfire, including Paradise, where people have just started to return home, PG&E protectively shut off power there and across Northern California for nearly 18,000 customers. In Southern California, the Sky Fire breaking out this afternoon near Magic Mountain. Families evacuating, running to their cars as smoke engulfed the park. In Arizona, in the Tonto National Forest, north of Phoenix, more than 7,000 acres burning, now 50% contained. The first heat wave is approaching. Temperatures soaring from Phoenix to Las Vegas and in Palm Springs expected to hit 112 on Tuesday. And with high temperatures, the fire risk in the West remains dangerous. Molly Hunter, NBC News, Los Angeles. Extreme weather is also causing problems in North Carolina, where floodwaters are rising as rain continues to fall. Vehicles were inundated, some abandoned on roadways, with creeks running higher than normal. Yards and playgrounds are completely submerged. In one area, crews found fish in flooded roadways. Well, climate change may be behind some startling video. An intense fight between two junkyard bears in the Northwest Territories. <laughs> Toledo resident Brian McPherson recorded the brawl while he was dropping off garbage at the dump with friends last Tuesday. They noticed two black bears in front of their vehicle grunting at each other. Then they began taking swipes at each other. The bears on their hind legs fought for about 20 seconds until one backed off. McPherson thinks the animals were fighting over food, which is scarce due to the area's unusually high temperatures. And have a look at this. A small plane crash landed in an Oregon neighborhood yesterday. Witnesses say the plane hit several trees as it slid along front yards. The pilot and one passenger on board were both injured. No word on the extent of their injuries. Parts of Calgary were hit by a spring storm last night. Wind, rain and lightning dancing across the sky. This video was taken in the southeast community of Mackenzie Lake. Fortunately, it blew out just about as quickly as it blew in. Fortunately, we've got some decent weather for Yvonne, who is on commercial drive tonight. Yes, Colleen, a great crowd. The forecast is held out today. We've even got some sunny breaks still. I'm now joined by Brunella Gaudi, who's the executive director of Italian Day. It has been fantastic down here. Uh, this year's theme, Comunità. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes. Uh, well, it takes community to put on this event, and so we wanted to honor that. And also, too, obviously look at the community that's here, so we bring together community. But we also, too, focused on the youth this year, and they're our leaders of tomorrow. And what we've done is our partners 
together with our partners and a few of the Little Italy businesses, we raised $10,000 to give back to uh, youth programs that work with at-risk youth and operate out of Templeton High School. And uh, the name of the programs are East End Boys and Girls Clubs, and so we were really excited. Opening ceremonies were awesome, and we presented the check there. So we're living in a beautiful comunità, and we're grateful. And if people still want to come on down, there's still lots of entertainment on the drive. What can we anticipate over the next two hours before things wrap up at 8? Absolutely. The fashion show at 3rd Avenue is going to be going on in about half an hour. We have a 15-year-old from uh, Italy that was a Eurovision junior contestant that came in top 10 that's going to be performing here. We also have a trio from Italy, Latina and they're still to perform and we have a Latin band over at Grandview, Song Patti. So we're still alive and there's a lot of amore and come down, there's lots to still eat and see and do. Yes, we definitely need to eat our way through still yes. for the next couple hours and test out the food. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to get you. to the forecast. If you are still planning on coming down, it is very pleasant. A look at the tower cam and we are going to continue to see uh, the sunshine over the next few days and the temperatures are going to be the big weather story. So a look outside right now. We're sitting at 18 degrees, a westerly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. We bumped up to 20 as the high today, right where we should be. But the potential is there into next week, especially for the interior to see some record-breaking heat. Areas near Kamloops today getting up to 24 degrees, the Peace up to 18, and Victoria climbed up to 18 degrees. Here's a glance though, still the instability, moisture along the north and central coast, and we can see that on the future cast. That is the area that is still going to be seeing wet weather and the northern areas of the island. It'll continue to be unsettled tomorrow. It's really the southern half that will be seeing cloud cover for the morning hours and a clearing by the afternoon. Ridge of high pressure, that's what's building in. That'll be the dominant feature. The peak of the temperatures will will be on Wednesday. Temperatures into the interior could be into the low 30s. Here's a glance. So even for Metro Vancouver, Wednesday, Thursday, some of the hottest days. Areas away from the water getting potentially up to 32 degrees. And similar for the interior, it'll still be sunny and dry leading into the end of the week and into next weekend. Coastal sections, rain and heavy at times tomorrow for the northern half. The risk of a thunderstorm will be for the northeastern corners. The central half of the province, interior areas will be looking at a chance of showers and much of the southern half will start off with cloud cover, breaks for the afternoon. Whistler up to 21 degrees and it's the northern and central spots of the island that will be looking at that rainfall, a nice clearing as you approach the afternoon. Our five-day forecast across Metro Vancouver will set temperatures up into the low 20s, but it's really areas away from the water that will see up to 31 degrees on our Wednesday. Our five-day forecast looking fantastic. It's just tomorrow morning, Colleen, that we'll be seeing a bit of cloud cover, and then it really does start to clear out. It is going to feel summer-like over the next few days. Colleen? Sounds good. And if you find some arancini, bring some back for me, will you? Thanks, Yvonne. Every year, thousands go to see the salmon run near the Adams River in the interior. Well, now an added attraction. Visitors can also be introduced to the local First Nations language at a nearby park, thanks to help from technology and students from Chase Secondary School. Our report is from CFJC News. There's a new way to learn about the native plants and landscape of Tuchwek Provincial Park. Students from Chase Secondary are scanning these QR codes with their phones to hear their own voices tell the stories of this region. The time we have with friends and family. It's kind of amazing to see how far we've come, knowing that this is out to the public now. People from all over the world can now come and see, listen. It's really awesome that 
you know, this park is open to everybody and from all different kinds of nations. And if they have their own language, hopefully they could come go back to their territory and try to do the same with their, with their youth. The project was headed by Ivy Chelsea, a teacher of the Shikwetmikshin language. I assigned the students one plant, one aspect of the park that they had to find a shusha board for, the Shikwetmikshin word, and how it was made. So if they had a fishing weir, uh, then how to do that, or if, if they had to uh, write about a beaver dam or write about the river, then they had to find different stories. During the dominant years of the Salmon Run, a quarter of a million people come through this park, which is phenomenal, and they're from all over the world. So we're really hoping that it will help to connect them to this land and to the local language and to really learn more that they can, they can take back home with them. The Story Trail is the first of the BC Parks Foundation's Discover Trails network. We've already gotten an email from Squamish Nation that they would like me and my students to go down there and, and, and work with them. So, so this has blossomed, it's snowballed. So I'm, I'm proud of my kids, I'm proud of the work they've done. Jill Sperling, CFJC News. Fantastic. Wheeling around in an office chair is a competitive sport in Japan. Yeah, these competitors battled it out in ordinary office furniture to see who can compete, complete the most laps of a 200 meter course in two hours at the ISU Grand Prix. Clearly, the universal strategy, propelling yourself backwards. And the series started with a race in Kyoto 10 years ago and will be featured at various Grand Prix events across the country this year. I think I have participated, but not officially. Living in Japan would be like being in a Benny Hill skit. Every, every week we have some kind of bizarre, odd so thing. But they fun. have a lot of spirit, which no I kidding. I love that part. Yeah, lots of spirit going on today. Lots of spirit going on. We're going to start with uh, a little golf here, Colleen. A spoiler alert, we're going to have to wait another year for a Canadian to claim the RBC Canadian Open. Adam Hadwin was in the hunt just one shot back when the final round began, but Rory McIlroy decided to take the drama out of the proceedings by leaving the field in the dust with the lowest round of his PGA Tour career and winning this prestigious national championship. Rory with the trophy at the first tee box. They would meet again a few hours later. First hole after a monster 353-yard drive. Rory with the uh, short chip shot from 42 yards. Almost holes it for Eagle. That set the standard for an incredible display of golf from McElroy. Then at the fifth, short par four, Rory almost drove the green. Another short chip to two feet. Fourth birdie in five holes on his way to a five under 35 on the front. More Rory in a moment. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin had a slow start. Two over for the day until he reached the ninth. Nice approach here to about eight feet. So you'd make that for birdie. And then at 10... Out of the rough this time, uh, got a good lie, a good break, because that was not the place to be in Hamilton this week. Hard to make good scores when you weren't in the fairway, but a great shot by Adam to two feet. Back-to-back birdies for Hadwin, 17th. This is his best shot of the day. Second shot on the par five from 224, and Hadwin hits a great-looking shot to about eight feet. He did miss the short eagle putt, still made birdie, trying to finish in the top three this week to qualify for next week's U.S. Open. At 18, after a great approach, Hadwin for birdie, misses, finished tied for sixth. That will get him into the Open Championship in Northern Ireland in July, but he won't play at Pebble Beach next week. Hadwin, top Canadian, sixth place. 
minus 12. Back to Rory at the 12th. Another sensational approach to two and a half feet. Another birdie. His iron play was sublime. Most of his birdie putts were inside five feet. But at 14, he is 30 feet away. No problem. Rory rolls that in as well. Nine under through 14. He's got a chance to break 60. One of those great days. He bogeyed the 16th, but then answered with this piece of brilliance at the par 5 17th. Second shot from 197. That's a seven iron for Rory. Sticks it to two feet. Made it for Eagle. 10 under on the day. Needs to birdie 18 for a 59. Has to hold the bunker shot to become just the 10th person to ever break 60 on the tour, but he misses. Actually bogeyed to finish with a 61, but it's a mighty seven-shot win for McElroy. He had a great week in Hamilton and Toronto, rocking the Raptors jersey there. He loved the atmosphere, and obviously it brought out the best in him. I've had such a, uh, such a great week here in Canada. The, the people couldn't have been nicer, more welcoming. Um, yeah, I think it helped. I was cheering for the Raptors on Sunday night. Uh, obviously, hopefully, hopefully they get it done on Monday. But, uh, yeah, it's been an awesome week. And um, I'm very proud of myself, very proud to win my sixth National Open. Uh, and I can't wait to come back next year. All right, McElroy in fine form heading to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach next week. He won the U.S. Open back in 2011. Adam Hadwin wins 273000 for his sixth-place finish. Nick Taylor was 27th. Roger Sloan of Merritt was 56th. All right, the Stanley Cup could be handed out tonight in St. Louis. The hometown Blues need one more win to capture their first-ever cup. Game six versus the Bruins tonight. First period, Ryan O'Reilly shorthanded, loses the handle. The building would have exploded had he scored, but the Bruins do score first on a five-on-three. The one-timer, David Pasternak, to Brad Marchand, beats Jordan Binnington. One-nothing Boston after one. Welcome back. Less than 24 hours to tip off for Game 5 at the NBA Finals in Toronto. Of course, the Raptors can capture their first NBA championship with a win. Kevin Durant did practice today with the Warriors. No word on how that went or if he will play tomorrow. But the way the Raptors are going right now, it may not matter. The Raps have been dominant in almost all areas, and they remain focused to keep it up in what's sure to be a madhouse tomorrow night in Toronto. The focus part has been, has been impressive necessary I, th- I think they 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 know we can't get some place before it gets here right and you got to put in the work to do it we know that doesn't mean anything um until it's someone that has four wins uh, you never know what it could happen and you gotta take advantage of it and you know don't get overly hyped and excited um, still a great great basketball team on the other, on the other side and you're just going to see a resilient warrior team uh, we've been backed our backs against the wall before with this same group I mean even last year being down 3-2 obviously it's a little more daunting being down 3-1 but um, usually when our backs against the wall we respond the best oh, I wouldn't say we're down at all it's mostly just we're anxious for tomorrow to get, just get out there and, 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 and play a, a great basketball game and I think we're confident in that fact that we can do that. And that's what they're playing for. French Open men's final, a rematch of last year. Rafa Nadal and Austria's Dominic team. Rafa going for a 12th title at Roland Garros. Team beat Rafa on the red clay in Spain a few weeks ago, but Nadal is in top form right now. Quality tennis in the first set. 
Rafa winning with the deft drop shot, took the set 6-3, but team is world-ranked number four. He's had a great spring, just knocked off Djokovic in the semis. Clean winner here, took the second set 7-5, but then Nadal just hit the gas and left him in the dust. Rafa destroyed Federer in the uh, semis, and when he cranks it up, not even the top players can play with him. He won the fourth set 6-1 and then match point. Team will hit this one long, and Nadal celebrates another routine win in Paris. He is so passionate, that guy. His 12th French title, 18th major overall, just two behind Federer all time. I think for me the, 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 the thing that I'm more proud, more than even the trophy, is, is that I was able to, with, with the help of all my family and team, I was able to, to keep going, no? to keep uh, um, working and just accepting the challenge, accepting that I need to work every day just to improve a few things, not big improvements, small improvements, and that's, uh, that's the way to, to finally be here with that trophy. All right, FIFA Women's World Cup from France. Group D action, England and Scotland. England already up 1-0 when they add to it. Ellen White in the 40th minute. And it's 2-0 England. They certainly have designs on some sort of medal in France. But Scotland get one back in the 79th. Claire Emsley makes it 2-1. But England hang on for the one-goal victory. Italy and Australia up next. Italians making their first appearance in a couple of decades. Aussies led 1-0 at the half, but Italy tie it. Barbara Bonansea with the steal and then patiently waits before firing it in, ties at 1-1. And then in the final moments of stoppage time, the Italians in dramatic fashion win it on the Bonansea header as Italy. That's the full three points here, 2-1 over Australia. And one other game today, Brazil-Jamaica. Brazil playing without star player Marta, out with an injured leg, but veteran Cristian Rosera more than made up for it. The 34-year-old with the flying header goal here puts Brazil on the board. She added another in the second half and then makes some history with this free kick off the crossbar and just across the line. Oldest player ever to record a hat-trick at the Women's World Cup. 3-0 the final. Canada plays Cameroon tomorrow at noon in their opener. Blue Jays trying to avoid the sweep versus Arizona. They get off to a promising start. Bottom of the first. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Going to take that one under the yard for a solo homer. 1-0 Jays. But in the third, the Diamondbacks put up a crazy eight against the Jays. The key blow, this bases-clearing double by Tim LaCastro. Diamondbacks win it 8-2. The Jays have been swept in seven series already this season. And we're not even to the All-Star break yet. Rebuild, rebuild. Uh, Canadian Grand Prix for Montreal. Always a great atmosphere there. Lap 48, leader Sebastian Vettel loses control, goes off the track, recovers, but forces second place Lewis Hamilton to break hard to avoid the collision. Race officials reviewed it and assessed a five-second penalty to Vettel for re-entering the track unsafely. And let me say, Vettel was not happy about that. Meanwhile, Montreal's own Lance Stroll with the pass to get into ninth. That's where he finished, so the 20-year-old Picks up some points on home soil. Final lap, Vettel crosses first, but because of the five-second penalty, the victory goes to Lewis Hamilton, who is only three seconds back. Seventh Canadian Grand Prix win for Hamilton. Afterwards, Vettel switched the first and second place markers. Still oh! obviously a little hot over uh, that decision. Everyone thought it was a bit of a a bit of a cruel decision to to give him a five second penalty there. I mean, we saw that in the Kentucky Derby officials with all the replay stuff. Now it's kind of you know 
where's the line there where right. let them play and are you interfering too much? Still. So, controversy, but they're talking about it. I guess that's good. I admit I have done this, mm. but most intelligent people would think <laughs> twice about leaping out of a perfectly good airplane, not two Fraser Valley residents. Now, one is 90, the other is 95. As Grace Key reports, this weekend, they both took a giant leap of faith. <laughs> when you sit down with Henry Martins, right away you realize this is a man who's had a lot of daring adventures over the years. So have you ever skydived before? Me? Yeah. Oh, once or twice. There's six times I could have been dead and two times I should have been dead. Just give me the cord to pull it and I'll pull it and I'll figure it out on the way how to use it. At 95, he's still looking for the next big thrill. This time, he's taking three generations along with him on a skydiving adventure. I like the thrill of it. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> he's not the only senior taking the leap. Etta Hellier is getting rock star status with her first jump. She's trading in her cane for a parachute, bringing three generations along with her. At 90 years old, Etta is still eager to try new things. You're not going to take it out, are you? I don't think I would have done this when I was younger, but now I have no qualms about it at all. And if the jump alone isn't enough of a thrill, Etta is upping her game. I have challenged Henry that we're going to do a somersault. The two are jumping with Skydive Vancouver and Abbotsford to help raise money for Tabor Village, an Abbotsford charity raising $11 million for a new senior's care home. Awesome job, Anna. Congratulations. Wow. Not to be outdone, it looks like Henry was up for the challenge, leaping right into a somersault. Come up. <laughs> Sit down. Awesome Beautiful. job. Congratulations. Got a somersault, but I, that was the only time I thought we would make it. <laughs> Back on the ground, Henry is already talking about his next jump. I'm going to wait till I'm 100, and then I'll do it again. Sounds like a plan. We'll see you then. Okay. Thanks for jumping at Skydive Vancouver. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, congratulations, yeah. Henry. Grace Key, Global News. Goodness, they are an inspiration. Mm -hmm. that looks, that's, they look like fun people to hang. They do. Yeah. They totally do. Yvonne, have you ever gone skydiving? <laughs> no, but it's on the bucket list. Is so it? we'll have to report back. We're ending off Italian day with some gelato at Dolce Amore. Some of the top flavors today, real quick. Pistachio, white chocolate raspberry, and salted caramel right okay, over here. This one's for me, so <laughs> thanks, guys. Enjoy, Yvonne. Thanks Yvonne for joining always us. always gets the ice cream. No Lucky kidding. Girl. Have a great evening. Join uh, Jordan here at 11.